listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Eric Daw. That dude, that guy, he said, he... Yep, you hate him. Indeed, jingle bell time. It's a swell time. <laughs> it's fairly swell. And uh, it's the Fret Files podcast, your fortnightly foray into guitar geekery. My name is Eric Daw, your personal guitar scientist with 25 years of experience building and repairing guitars. Sitting beside me is the lovely Nat. Oh, yeah. Hi. <laughs> I was thrown off by the blink. Nat says, Hello. greetings. Gre- yeah, that's my part. <laughs> Gosh, there is, a, to, there is a short script for this show. <laughs> you should dock my pay. Greetings. I will read the listener's submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. What have you been working on lately, Eric? Uh, I've been um, sick, so I haven't been working on yeah, much. Yeah, you've been Man, pretty ill. I was so sick. Yeah. Uh, it hit just around Thanksgiving, and I took... You know, I took Thanksgiving off and a few days surrounding because Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. And then I was just decimated by some kind of virus. Is there something going around? I, I've heard rumors. I don't think it was that one. Oh, I don't know what it was. I didn't ever have the symptoms they tell you you're going to have, but no, you didn't. No, I don't know what I had. And And what's the point in going to get tested? Because honestly, you just just lay low, stay away from people, and well, yeah, as long as you do that, stay away from people. Because I could tell you, one purpose would be so you don't give it to me. But yeah, that's not it's not this kind of show. Yeah, and my subscription to the paper ran out, so I'm unaware of any special situation. <laughs> this is not a news show. <laughs> we don't give opinions on what you should do with your uh, viruses, yeah, or lack thereof, yeah, whatever. But. Talk about guitars. Yeah, so I was so sick that I, I, I didn't get out to the shop for like probably two weeks. And now I'm finally getting back out and trying to dig my way through whatever was going on when I when I fell ill. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a bunch of custom guitars in the works, a whole mountain of repairs, pickups that I need to make, and pick guards that got ordered that I thought I had made but I didn't, so I have to... I have to cut a bunch of Bakelite pit guards and lacquer. Scratch, room. huh? Yeah, I thought I had a bunch of a bunch made. I sw- I swear, I know where they were too. So they're gone. Kids. Yeah, I had some made, and they I couldn't just, find them. They grow legs. So either they're out there somewhere in the shop, buried under you know all those repairs, or whatever. So I'm gonna I'm making pit guards from scratch and all kinds of things. People have been ordering handles for Gibson amps. This Ooh. is the this is the problem with having 72 irons in the fire. Yeah. It, and it's all bait in the water. So, like, at any point, yeah. you know, uh, some, t- some days nothing happens. Yep. And then some days I get three orders for Gibson amp handles. I get two orders for a uh, harmonica attenuator Dealies. box. Yeah. I get an order for a, a lacquered... Telecaster Bakelite pickguard. I get a couple pickup orders. It's like all of a sudden feeding frenzy. Yeah, man. And he, he, whoa, there's no way to regulate this. <clears throat> oh, and don't I think in a previous podcast you said that it has been your experience that things occur in bunches. Oh, or yeah, or threes. Yeah, they really do. Not interesting. Yeah, well, I'm glad you got some of them uh, handles out, even if people hate you for it. Oh well, just the one guy. Oh yeah, nobody else. That's I don't right, think. Though. I don't know. Whatever. It's all good. Well, um, glad you're back at it. Yeah, but now I'm out of handles, and I'm out of pit guards, and I'm out of all kinds of stuff, and it's Christmas, and so everybody is ordering stuff. Oh. Right? It's stuff that I don't have. Yeah. It'll be all right. I think it'll be okay. Listen to me complaining about my <laughs> about <laughs> how well business is going. Yeah, it's swamped. Well, it's uh, a heck of a thing. Yeah. What you got there? Guitar News. 
tell you, I'll tell you what I got here is some guitar news. I so like while, guitar news. while I was sick, I couldn't do much. I really was pretty sick. Yeah. So Disney Plus has the uh, new Beatles Get Back. Yeah, I've heard about it. Uh, you know, remastered Endless whatever documentary. Yeah. yeah, six or seven hours long. Of dudes in one room? Yeah. Okay. And they hate each other. Yeah. And Yoko is like sitting on an amp. Oh. And it's the weirdest thing. So I watched this. In fact, I watched it twice. So like that's how sick I was. <laughs> uh, and I love the Beatles. I mean, I'll watch yep. anything with the Beatles in it. But <clears throat> I got to tell you, it's eight hours of them bickering. Yeah. And then just aim totally, totally aimless jamming and procrastination. Yeah. So I, they, I could see that, right? Yeah. That you put it's the premise is we're going to see some magic happen and then roll these cameras and then that has unattended, yeah, kind of cruddy effects. So Brian Epstein died, their yep. manager, and then they were just they're rootless, man. They were a ship without a captain. Mm-hmm. They were completely lost at sea. And they, by the time they got they got to this project, they just said, uh, "Let's just roll tape and see what happens, and maybe we'll do a performance at the end of it." Yeah. <clears throat> and okay. Their buddy who was filming the the movie, The Magic Christian, the kid Jeff or something. Like I that. don't know who. He's filming The Magic Christian, which had Ringo Starr in it. Oh, I think heard of him. Yeah. Third best drummer anyway, in the Beatles. The point, point is, yeah. The point is, the, the, they were filming the Magic Christian in this movie studio, Twickenham, Twickenham Studios. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just let the Beatles use one of the sound stages. So it wasn't even like they went out and said, let's do this, let's book this. Yeah. It was just fortuitous. This guy was like, well, you can use this sound stage. And so they just roll in there and they start jamming and it's just this huge cavernous box yeah. and the sound is terrible and they hate each other and they're supposed to be writing songs but what they end up doing is i mean it's just hours and hours of them crappily jamming yeah like like they 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 touch on every tune ever yeah. and they just really crappily and mockingly and it's all ironic play this music yeah and- and and then yeah. a, about every hour they kind of have this meeting where they go um so uh we kind of have the deadline here and we haven't done anything and then someone tries to be funny they have a lot of cigarettes and then they try and then like there's just they're surrounded by crazy people who go okay here's what we're going to do yeah. we're going to go to syria and we're going to have uh <laughs> seriously we're going to have we're going to go to libya and we're going to have this concert oh, uh, in no. this in this ruined these ruins amphitheater, amphitheater yeah. and you'll be surrounded by two thousand Arabs, and it'll be amazing. And you know, George is going, "Well, I don't want to do that." <laughs> and Ringo's going, "I'll, I'll do whatever yeah, you want, whatever." You know? it just, Poor George. And it's just one insane idea after another, completely pointless, and it just goes on forever. And I loved it. <laughs> I loved every minute of That's it. That's good. Can I say? But it made me think because George is playing this Rosewood Telly. Yeah. Through it. And it's really cool. Rather iconic. And I looked up, because I have this book, The Beatles Gear. Mm-hmm. All about the Fab Four's instruments, right? Mm-hmm. By Andy Babiuk. Yeah, I'd go with that. Babiuk. And this is what it says about uh, George's Rosewood Telecaster. <clears throat> It was custom-made for George Harrison. Philip Kubicki, an inspired young guitar maker, worked for Fender for 10 years, from 1964, in the company's research and development department, and at first under the watchful eye of master builder Roger Rossmeisel. Have you heard the name Roger Rossmeisel? I don't think I have. I bet you have. Well, he previously worked for Rickenbacker, where he... uh, Basically, he designed the models that oh, Lennon and Harrison used. And that's why he's got that interesting Swiss name. Rasmeisel. Yeah. 
Uh, Fender's marketing department wanted to add a new solid Rosewood Telecaster and Stratocaster to their line. And they decided a good way to publicize them would be to give a prototype of the Tele to George Harrison and a prototype of the Strat to Jimi Hendrix. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Now, the Hendrix guitar never happens. Well, according to this, they make it, and then they never give it to Hendrix, and then who knows what happens to it. Supposedly somewhere there's a solid Rosewood Telecaster that was made for Jimi Hendrix and never given to him. I'll be doggone. That's what this book says. Anyway, in the autumn of 68, Ross Meisel, this is a quote, Ross Meisel told me, we would be making these two special guitars, recalls Kubicki. For me, this was about as exciting as things could get. The Beatles and Hendrix were at their peak and were a big part of the times. Ross Meisel decided that a safe course would be to produce two prototypes each of the Telecaster and two of the Strat, and then select the best ones to give the star musicians. Mm-hmm. The bodies were made with a thin layer of maple sandwiched between a solid rosewood top and back. So if you ever see one, it has a maple stripe down the center uh, of the edge of the guitar. What on earth for? Because getting a chunk of rosewood that thick yeah. is, I guess, not really an option. So they didn't want it for... Interesting. Okay, yeah, because yeah, you can get like five quarters of it. So it's a... it's a Five-quarter chunk of rosewood probably. And, yeah, rosewood to... Excuse me. I'm still not right. Two layers of rosewood with a very thin maple veneer sandwiched in between it. It's kind of cool. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. He says, Kubicki says, I spent hours sanding the bodies to perfection. Eventually a clear poly finish was applied and allowed to dry, and we selected the two best bodies and necks for Harrison and Hendrix. He says that Harrison's Telecaster became a priority because Fender knew it was required for an album that the Beatles were working on. Mm-hmm. That's a, a big deal. That's what we were just talking about. <clears throat> because he got it just in time for this Get Back project. Mm-hmm. Anyway, George's guitar was to have a particular hand-done satin finish. And to achieve this, the body and neck were hard block sanded, sanded with 500 grit paper following the grain until the surface was smooth, flat, and fine, and then the surface was carefully rubbed with a fine cloth until it became highlighted. Oh, cool. The guitar was set up, checked, and rechecked to Roger's satisfaction, placed in a black hard shell case, and delivered to marketing. I never saw the guitar again. Not in person. That's what he says. Oh, had yeah. some regrets. That was his little baby. Yeah. That's pretty neat. It's a cool guitar. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, it's interesting to me that they opted for a solid rosewood one so soon after the um, uh, the ban on Brazilian rosewood. Oh, was it banned? Not was, just hard to get at that yeah, time? Yeah, I think 68 or 67. They they banned oh, uh, wow. because it was being over-harvested. They banned um, uh, Brazilian, Brazilian rosewood. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> so... That's interesting. Anyway, I, I saw that guitar in that documentary, and I just started thinking about it, and it was cool. So then they went into production with it a, a little while later, and they did make quite a few of those, but it and was never a super popular model. Were they the same? They were solid rosewood? They wouldn't just some kind of yeah. veneer in the later ones? Oh, wow. Yeah. That is pretty neat. Kind of neat. Yeah. Kind of neat. That's a cool guitar. I know, right? Uh, mm-hmm. the, this book says that he later gifted it to um, Bonnie Bramlett of Delaney and Bonnie. Oh, okay. And <clears throat> at the at the time of the writing of this book, she still had it. Oh, and that's this is not that long ago. When was this? Eighty seven or when something. When was this printed? Two thousand two. Oh. Twenty years ago. I don't know if she's... Is she still alive? I, I wanna, wouldn't know. I want to say she is. I don't take is, the paper but, anymore. But I don't know. It's hard to say. And now, with the way things are going, it's hard to say who's alive anymore. Hard to know. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, that's guitar news. Oh, I like it. And I think we have a phone call to take, so let's do that. 
G'day, Eric. Um, this is Andy here, driving around the DC Beltway. Um, just wanted to drop your line and say thank you very much for doing the podcast. Love it. It's fantastic. Um, you know, love the interaction with you and Nat. Uh, he seems like a bit of a, an international man of mystery. I think maybe we need to learn a little <laughs> bit more about him as well. Um, I just had a question about a Stratocaster neck. I have a USA standard Strat uh, maple neck, maple fretboard from, I think it's 2008 or something like that. I love this guitar. It's fantastic. It's everything I want, except it's got a really thick poly finish on it. Mm-hmm. And as much as it's probably not, the juice is not worth the squeeze to uh, refinish it, I do love it enough to be able to uh, to sink some investment into it. So I was hoping that you could give me some tips about the best way to strip off the poly lacquer and apply a proper uh, nitrocellulose finish to it. So if you could uh, if you could tip me off as to the best way to deal with that, that would be fantastic. Um, if not, if you just say, don't worry about it, it is really not worth it, Oh, you know, so be it. But uh, I thought you being an expert, I would give it a shot. Anyway, thank you very much once again for doing the uh, podcast. Uh, really enjoy it. Makes the commute a whole lot more bearable. Thanks, mate. Right on. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It, this can be done, but let me tell you, it's <clears throat> it's hard to do well. So um, what you're going to end up with is a a guitar with an amateur finish on it. Dang it. Because let's just face the facts here. By your own admission, that you don't know what you're doing and that you're amateur, right? Am I right? Am I wrong? Am I right? Uh, that That is an important and valid contention, yes. So if you were to do this, and I really, I hesitate to tell you to go for it, but all right. If if you were to do this. <laughs> in the, well, in the interest of entertaining him on his commute... Yeah, which he had a nice comment there. Does he? Did he say he wanted to refinish the whole guitar or just the neck or what did he say? Oh, I thought it was the whole. I think yeah. it's the whole guitar. He likes the maple maple neck, and you know, a lot of people have this question. I've asked this of you before, and so, I usually probably make the same noise. Yeah, like, you <sighs> do. Yep, yep. And <sighs> we probably need to take it more to heart that <clears throat> maybe you have something important to say there. Um. You, there's a few ways to strip poly. None of them are super fun. Uh, because it's it's basically like that guitar's been dipped in plastic, right? It's a, it, there, There's not a lot of solvents that will even touch it. So. It's one durable finish. Yeah, so one way to do it is with a heat gun. You actually heat it up Dang with it. a heat gun, and then with a spatula, then you start, once you soften the finish... You start scraping it off. Well, you'd have to have a heart of steel to do that to any poor little it piece of wood. sucks. Yeah. And with a heat gun, the danger is that you can you can start to scald the wood, too. Yeah. Okay. So already we're, we're knee-deep in fun, <laughs> and we only got started. Okay? Uh, the other way to do it is with some gnarly paint remover. Uh, called, it's, what is it called? It's called something so weird, like aircraft stripper. I th- yeah, I think you're onto something there. Yep. Um, aircraft remover. Now, why do they call it this? It removes aircraft. Why do they call it aircraft remover? It's just burly. It's just, you'd have to leave Alexa, it outside. Why do they call it <laughs> aircraft remover? Hey, Siri. Uh, it is the active ingredient is dichloromethane. I can tell from here that's a long word. You're not going to like it. All I can tell you is it's probably going to give you cancer and all of the other stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> aircraft uh, paint stripper is designed to peel all the paint off of aluminum airplanes without harming the metal. That's why it's called aircraft stripper. Hmm. What about wood? So, yeah. So, w- with guitars, they're not made of aluminum. So, yeah. Um, but what you can do is um, put this all over your guitar and then basically seal it up in like a hefty sack or something. Yuck. 
Yeah, it's nasty. Yeah. Get yourself rubber rubber gloves. Get yourself a hardcore ventilation system uh, or something. Yeah, respirator. Yeah, with like cartridges. You and know, that, open windows. That, and yeah, or do it outside. It's nasty. Yeah, you're gonna have to have the organic vapor cartridge on that one. And doing the neck. Um, did he say it's a maple neck? It's maple maple on maple. So you're going to have paint in between the frets and trying to scrape all that off cleanly. And I'm just, I'm just here to tell you, because I've done this, I do this for a living, and I turn down 99.9% of jobs like this because it's just, and maybe I'm, you know, uh, just averse to this, and it's my own no, personal just... crutch, but it's not fun. Yeah, and the really high, great outcome, yeah, just not likely. So once you get it stripped down to bare wood, uh, assuming you do, then you're going to have to learn how to properly paint something in lacquer and get a professional result. Now, there's entire books written about this that are an inch thick. So for me to just encapsulate it in a quick little podcast, all right, I'll try. You sand it, you seal it with uh, either a sealer or a lacquer, uh, basically the the clear coat, the lacquer. Hmm. Sand it, seal it, sand it again, seal it again, sand it, uh, then you'll do a color coat, or if you're doing, if you're doing, if you're doing solid color, then you'll do primer, and then sand it, and then you'll do your color coat. And then you'll do, you know, however many, uh, however many, um, finished coats. Yeah. Yeah. However many coats of, of color. And then you'll do a clear coat, however many oh, coats okay. of that over that. So several coats, letting it dry, fraught with disaster. It could run or drip or ruin your whole worldview at any point. And so, uh, just like the, um, the aircraft stripper. Lacquer is also just incredibly toxic. You don't want to breathe these fumes at all. Mm -mm. So that's the long and short of it is that I I wouldn't recommend it, but you can can do it. It can be done. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more. We've talked a lot about neck straightening irons on the show, and people write to me and they say, Eric, where can I get one? Well, until now, I didn't have anywhere to send people because nobody makes them anymore, except for my buddy Rick at playersgearmusic.com. You can go to Players Gear Music. You can order a neck straightening iron. Some people call it a neck press or a neck heater. It is an invaluable tool in my shop. I use it all the time. I'd be lost without one of these. I, I love having a neck straightening iron, and Rick is making a really, really stout industrial. It, I, I, think it, I think it's the best one that I've used, and I've, I've used a lot. I've used uh, the commercially available ones that they used to sell in the 70s and 80s, but they don't sell them anymore. Well, now you can get one from playersgearmusic.com they're $7.49 I know that seems like a lot it's it's a tool I tell you what it's going to pay for itself a hundred times over if you go to playersgearmusic.com scroll down on the main page scroll 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 down to where it says fan of the fret files podcast you click that that adds one to your cart and it's fifty bucks off. So instead of seven forty nine, it's six ninety nine. Six ninety nine, free shipping, and it's yours. A neck straightening iron. Playersgearmusic.com has them, and you need one. I'm telling you. So go to playersgearmusic.com and check it out. And don't forget to tell Rick that the Fret Files podcast sent you. This episode of the Fret Files Podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Imagine always having fresh roasted coffee in your home. Now, imagine you didn't even have to leave the house for it. A subscription with Apex Coffee Roasters makes all of this possible. You choose the plan that best suits your needs, and they handle the rest. 
Their roaster will select a coffee option just for you and send it your way. Discounts are applied if you get a six-month or a year-long subscription. And shipping included if you're in the USA. Great coffee every morning. Just got a little bit easier. That's apexcoffeeroasters.com. And if you go there and use my promo code, you get an additional 10% off. That's pinup, P-I-N-U-P. That's at apexcoffeeroasters.com. All right, that was that was some good commercials. <laughs> okay, here's the That's deal. A heck of a transition. This, is, back. this is what we're doing. Nat, what? This is your Christmas gift. Oh, seriously? We're, do- we're doing this right on the podcast, oh, right in man. front of everybody. It's a wonderful blue bag. I know. So, you know? Th- so, oh, how nice! This this ties right in with our any, uh, our commercials. You can. I'm kind of trapped in here. Oh, is it trapped in what way? Oh, look at that. How I sh- I nice. Should be taking the picture. Yeah. So, it's, what is it? It's mid-century technology, very heavy. It this is, is a, why we won the war. It is a vintage Farberware uh, percolator. Percolator coffee oh, how maker. How nice. From the probably 60s. Yeah. yeah. That's what I use to make coffee. Yeah, and it's all oh, how nice. That's that is lovely. It's a pretty clean one. Yeah. They're good. Elegant, simple. Nat was Wave admiring was admiring my uh, vintage coffee maker, and I have, anytime I see them, I buy them because I know. they're great. It's a work of art anyway. And, and you can buy parts for them, like the the thermostat the inside. Thingy. Oh, and really? The, yeah. Like if you take off the base, it's got a, a a heater element and a thermostat and all that. And Wow. I've restored a bunch of them. I didn't have to work on this one. It, it just works. Yeah, it's got healthy spring and a good little latch and lid. Yeah, and that's nice little cord. That ties right in with our. Uh, it's not a tweed cord, but tie, oh, yeah, well, it's yeah. acceptable. It ties right in with our sponsor, mm-hmm. Apex Coffee. Out of Waco. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, but now well, to how the nice. questions. Thank you. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas to you. That's very, very nice. Would you like me to read a thingy? Yes, please. I will. Let me check and see if this is the right one. Hello, Eric and Nat. I am working on a refret job on a squire neck that my dad gave me. Well, that adds some important detail. The neck was warped, and I decided to try and see if I could sand out the warp since I don't have a neck-straightening iron like you're always going on about. I think I did a decent job sanding it flat, or flat enough at least. I also changed the radius to 12 inch, 12 inches. I wonder if you did that on purpose. This isn't for a customer. I'm just doing it to see if I can and also to practice refretting an instrument since I've only done a f- done frets a few times. I'm about to start the actual refret process, just waiting on a few supplies, and I realized that I had one I had a question. How do you treat fretboard edges? I recently got a made in Mexico Fender Player Plus Strat with rolled edges, and it's really nice. What's the process for adding rolled edges to a neck? Do I roll them before I install the new frets or after? Hmm. Thanks, and I love the podcast. Adam in Sonora, California. Thanks, Adam. Good question and uh, very Mm -hmm. simple, which I like because I can answer it succinctly. You fret it first and then roll the edges. And the reason being is that you need the fingerboard edge to be nice and crisp uh, when when you are refretting it so that the fret um, makes contact with the wood, you know, with the surface of the fingerboard. Um, And then when you roll the fingerboard edges, you're only rolling the parts in between the frets. Mm -hmm. You're not rolling the part that's actually under the fret. You want that to stay pretty well crisp and stay in contact with the fret. So, yeah, fret it first, then roll the fingerboard edges. Okay, and then rolling is kind of... Relieving that corner, sanding that in, making it rounder. Yeah, there's right? different ways to do it. You can use sandpaper. You can use a file. You can use a, a blade. And you but just... Yeah, it's basically just huh. smoothing the edge of the fingerboard. And you kind of do it by feel and by hand. Mm-hmm. There's really no way to yeah. measure it. Well, that's neat. I know you did that on my Telecaster, and it was pretty awesome. Oh, good. Okay, good question. That was Adam. Hi, Eric and co-host. That's you. Yeah, I know. And he's enthusiastic. I appreciate that. 
Uh, greetings from Netherlands. I found your podcast yesterday, and thus far I have listened to about five or six episodes and am loving it. In one day? Yeah. My condolences. You had a little free time. Thank you for explaining everything in a practical way. That was a constructive comment. I appreciate that. I started playing guitar, electric guitar two years ago, so I'm not even close to being a good player, but I'm having lots of fun. I bought a cheapish acoustic online without, pl- without playing it. Stupid. It played okay, but not great. I watched tons of videos on adjusting the action, lowering the nut, replacing it with bone, etc. I did it all myself, and it plays a lot better now. This let me... Uh, this led me to a possible new hobby, luthery. Uh-oh. I know. It's like a gateway drug. Life of crime. I would like to be able to do fret work and maybe down the line build my own guitar. Man, would I love to be able to build an acoustic. Wishful thinking, he thinks. Now I could go to an online shop and buy lots of tools and spend hundreds of euros. My question is, what tools do you recommend to start working on guitars? Are there any standard woodworking tools that most people have that can be used for fretwork, etc.? Maybe you already answered this question. Could you point me to that episode? Again, thank you for the podcast. That's regards, Joost. Hmm. How do you how do you pronounce his name? It's spelled Juiced. I would have said Juiced. Yeah, I mean, what do I'm pretty I know? sure that's a Joost. All right, the. Niederlander. All right. You know. Howdy. Lowlands, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, standard uh, <laughs> loofier tools. Um, there's a lot of things that you probably already have. I mean, you know, like just a basic, like hand drill, you know. I use a hand drill all the time. Um, drill bits, you know, just your basic things that you probably already have a ton of these things. Screwdrivers. Yeah, right? Uh, uh Crescent wrenches and and um, uh, uh, ratchet sets and you know there's plenty of things you probably already have, but there's so many tools that are really specific to guitar working. Guitar working? Yeah. No, that works. <clears throat> Go with it. That's fine. Nut files, uh, radiused sanding blocks. You know the, the straight. The ruler with the cutout fret dealies. Yeah. I mean, you can go nuts. If you look at a website like Stuart McDonald or Philadelphia Luthier Supply, you can see tools that you'll never need. I mean, you could. You could use them. But a lot of the things that those guys sell are just kind of... It's kind of like SkyMall for for hobbyists, for Luthier hobbyists. You know? It's hyper-specific. Yeah, and... Over-engineered and overpriced. Well, I think that's what he's asking is, could he transfer standard woodworking tools to be used for, you know, fret work or filing bone nuts or something? I mean, good quality chisels, good quality files. Um, A file is a file is a file, whether you Mm -hmm. bought it uh, to, you know, uh, whatever you bought it for. So uh, just, you know... Beware of that if you order files from one of these luthier websites because it's specifically for a guitar. You end up paying ten times the price than mm-hmm. you would if yeah. you just went down to Ace Hardware or whatever the Netherland equivalent is. Yeah, I wonder what it is. Yeah, I don't know. Good one, <clears throat> but yeah, um, there are a lot of guitar-specific tools like. Uh, nut files that are sized for each string, right? Specifically for each string gauge. String slot, yeah. Yeah, so. That sure would be handy. Yeah. Okay. Pretty good. Hi, E. Oh, that's me. You know somebody. Mm-hmm. I think somebody knows you. Hope all is well with you and the fam. Hey, I need to replace the frets on my pinup telly. Been playing it pretty steady since aught six. Mm-hmm. That's 2006 if you're from Idaho. The folks at Mike Lowell's are suggesting stainless steel. I have no idea what the difference in the performance might be. Any thoughts on this? Thanks, kindly. Eric Tinkstad in Seattle. Oh, he's a great guitar player. That he's yeah. He played yeah. the dang frets off this thing. Evidently. Yeah, he he's, bought a guitar for me a long time yeah. ago. In, in 06. Gosh. That's 15 years ago, isn't it? Wow. 
Yeah. How That's that? pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, stainless steel is just a lot harder surface than the standard nickel, um, you know, amalgam frets, the nickel, what they call nickel silver, which doesn't have any silver in it, but they call it nickel silver. Uh, stainless steel is much harder. Mm-hmm. So being a much harder metal, it is harder to work with, uh, but the frets will actually last longer, right? They don't wear out as quickly. Makes sense. The thing about it is, uh, see, like, I, I refuse to work with them because I don't like the way they sound. No way. Being Yeah, being a much... Um, is it brighter? Yeah. Harder? Yeah, being a much yeah. harder material, it sounds weird to me. It sounds brighter. And I always yeah. said this, and people, people have always said, you know, oh, come on. You can't hear the difference because yeah. usually it's not a capacitor. So usually, how could you I kind of poo-poo stuff yeah. like this, I saying know. that's why I'm surprised. Look, you know, nobody listens to a record and says, "Oh, sounds like stainless steel frets." Or reverse wound this yeah. or that. Yeah. Uh, if they if they were exactly the same to work with, then that would be a factor too. Mm-hmm. But they're not. They're way harder to work with. I hate cutting and filing stainless steel. <clears throat> it sucks. And the fact that I don't like the way they sound, well, that just kind of seals the deal for me, yeah. right? I just don't want to work with them. Poor work, poor workability there. Now, the guys at Mike Lowell's that you're taking this guitar to uh, will disagree with me on this, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, if the the really the bottom line is, do you like stainless steel frets? And if you do, then giddy up. Yeah. And well, and he, that's what he's asking is what's the performance yeah. difference? Yeah. So what I would recommend is play a guitar with stainless steel frets and see what you think. Or, uh, if you go to Warmoth's YouTube account, Warmoth did a really good comparison where they built two identical guitars. And you're going to tell me that you can hear on YouTube. You absolutely can hear a difference. Oh my heck sakes. Yeah. I, you can hear a, it's a pretty, I mean, it's not huge, but I can definitely hear a difference. I'll be doggone. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. All right. I just had to pause the show and tend to the children. <laughs> yeah, you'll have that. That's, that's what I do. All yeah. right. Continue, please. Where are we? Okay. So he's taking him in Mike Lowell's. Do stainless. Try to hear it first. Oh, I thought we answered this. We did. Next question. Well, that was a poor transition. Hello, Eric. Maybe I have a specific learning disability as I cannot read an electric guitar wiring schematic. Mm. I know. Starts right off. It's mostly nonsense to me. I do fine if I mirror a YouTube video of somebody showing how to do a project or doing the same thing I see in another guitar for the most part, but that's about it. Will you provide instructions on how to read the schematics in your book or not? Oh, dear. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a bit of an ultimatum. And if I need to decipher this out on my own, do you have resources? Dave Hagman, just south of the Wisconsin border in Illinois. That could mm. be like Zion or I wonder what he's got going on over there. What do you think about that? He says he can see it fine if it's a visual image. Of said schematic, well, but he can't read it. Well, Dave, <clears throat> so here's where people get confused, and this is this has been pointed out to me by someone who's helping me with the book as well. But uh, what I'm producing is technically not a book of schematics; it's a book of layouts. Uh huh. They're yeah. actual parts vi- layouts, visual yeah. representations of here's here's a switch, here's the pots, here's the wires going to them. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> it's a schematic is uh like if you don't know what the symbols mean, you don't know what these parts are. That's right. It's a very technical drawing or that numbers or yeah, that you basically and, have to be, you know, yeah. somewhat of an electrical engineer to read a true schematic, especially if you're looking at like an amplifier schematic or something. Yep. Right. Rather arcane. The guitars are much more much simpler, but still a true schematic is almost impossible to read for the novice. Mm-hmm. What I'm actually making in this book are layouts. 
not schematics. And layouts are way easier to read, so maybe that's what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. If not, if you're trying to read layouts uh, and you can't read them, then you may have a learning disability. No, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say, but you've you got the like the back of a <clears throat> pot there, a yeah. representation of it. So it's not the electrical representation. Yeah, it's a, a pic, little like visual. a drawing of it with yeah, the three solder drawing. lugs coming yeah. off of it, and a wire going to each one, and then that you follow that wire to where it goes. So if you can't read these, I don't know how to make it any more clear. But no, I will not be providing instructions on how to read these layouts in my book. What I'm making, this book is actually for, kind of for people who are already familiar with soldering and with rewiring guitars and with reading schematics and layouts. And it's a book of uh, design, guitar wiring designs that I've come up with over the years. Well, some of them are. Some of them are wiring designs others have come up with. Uh but a lot of the stuff in this book is, is stuff that I've come up with over the years that I've never seen. Uh, Out in the wild, huh? Yeah, reproduced anywhere. So it's kind of a little bit more of an advanced book, but I will definitely touch on the basics in the book. So, um, uh, you know, I, I think it would still benefit you. And just reading the book alone would certainly heighten your knowledge of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the very point of this is to make the connections clear with those layouts. I like it. But let me get the book, uh, you know, printed and <laughs> and produced and all of that before we start talking about the fine details. Or of how the, great of, it is. Of, yeah, yeah, of where you're going to buy it and all that jazz. You bet. <clears throat> okay, hello, Eric. I am getting an unfinished neck, and I am preparing to level crown and polish up the frets. I've had a lot of good practice on a cheap freebie guitar. I feel confident with that part, but I would, but I want to know what you think of a couple different finishing options. What do you think specifically of boiled linseed oil, true oil, and pure tongue oil, 100% tongue oil? I'm looking to do a matte-type finish that will protect the wood and doesn't have a crap load of VOCs since I don't have a paint booth. Or should I just send it to a competent person for finishing? Thanks for the podcast. I look forward to listening to every episode. I'll listen as long as you release episodes. I'm very happy you're out playing gigs again. Well, there you go. Nice. Hopefully I can catch you in the band when I make it to town. Oh, it's a local. Thanks. That's Aaron in Meridian, Idaho. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've known Aaron for a long time. Oh, how nice. Yeah, we. Uh, this is a good point in the podcast to mention that we just landed uh, uh, another gig. We're going to be playing New Year's Eve uh, here in Idaho Falls at the Celt. Big time. You probably heard of it. They probably heard of it. So 99% of you that listen to this podcast don't care <laughs> and won't be able to go. But if you live in the southeast Idaho area and you're going to be around for uh, New Year's Eve, uh, we're going to play at the Celt in downtown Idaho Falls, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. There you go. That is, and it is good for you, and it's fun, and informs your guitar repairs for sure. Well, we were talking about it earlier. I think it's the best New Year's Eve gig in town. Sadly, that may be true. Don't you think? Yeah, and it was a consolation prize. <laughs> no, it's great. Well, they had whoever was going to do it canceled, and so scrambling, they called us. At least we're their second choice. Yeah. I mean, you know. Got to take solace in that. Yeah, we haven't been asked to turn down. They did call the us. whole show, I think. Yep. It was good. All righty. Did he have a question? Yeah. Oh, this is true the, oil and boiled Can I put terrible oil. products on this yeah. wood and how will you? You can. Yeah. You know, here's, here's something to consider. Shellac. Shellac is alcohol. You, you use alcohol, denatured alcohol, to, um, that's the solvent. Yeah. So it's way less toxic than, you know, trying to sp spray lacquer or something. And uh, I really like shellac, and you can um, do like a French polish with it, or you can do, they have it in aerosol cans. Hmm. You can spray it on. 
Now, I mean, does it make kind of a sticky neck, though? Is that a No, I don't word? think so. It, it dries really. It, it I really like the finish it makes. You want to do, um, I mean, you can make it into a sticky finish if you, just with like with any paint, if you put the coats on too heavy, huh. then it doesn't fully cure. Okay. But that's a consideration is shellac. I never use linseed oil and true oil and tongue oil. I never, I, I just, I don't know what to tell you about that because I know that a lot of guys use it with success and it can be a nice finish. Um, but for me, if I were just, if I were painting a, uh, where's he getting this from? Oh, well, it's a neck from Warmoth or something. I think it's probably store-bought and there's been practice done. And yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I would say uh, shellac would be my go-to choice there. That does sound kind of fun. Some yeah, hands-on. There you go. Like a fine violin. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Hi, Eric. I have an Epiphone Casino, and I use Didario twelve to fifty fours on it. I like these strings, but I wanted to try a wound G. Like the twelve to fifty four EJ twenty one has. Hmm. Can I just swap out the strings and hope for the best? Or are there some adjustments that will need to be made when I change the plane? What do you call that? Point oh yeah, twenty. Point oh two oh point oh two oh G string for a wound point oh two four wound string. Uh that was my um re emphasis of the wound there, not this filler. Intonation adjustment? Is that all? Should I have the whole guitar set up? Thanks, Sheldon. Yes, I think the only difference here is that the G string, <clears throat> the third string, um, if you're going from a plane, a plane 20 to a wound 24, it's a thicker string, so um, you, it, it may not fit in the nut slot. Mm-hmm. That's something yeah. to consider. So you may have to have the nut slot widened just a, a hair. And you'll also need to re-intonate it because a plain string and a wound string will intonate very differently. So with a wound string, the saddle is going to be need to be moved toward the pickups. Flat forward. That's my yeah, memory and, device. And w- with, a, with a plain string, it'll be f- farther away from the pickups. Yeah. So, yeah, the nut... We'll need some consideration, and the bridge will need some consideration. So, other than that, but I mean, g- general tension, whole guitar setup, not likely. I mean, if right? you haven't had the guitar set up for a long time, this is a pretty good time to do it. But if you just had it set up, or if it just plays perfectly and it doesn't need set up, then yeah, those are the considerations: the nut slot and the saddle. Right on. Yeah, I like it. Hello, I enjoy the show. And I realized from listening that I should probably have my guitar set up more often. Oh, there you go. We're, we he's were just talking it. about that. Yeah, he's he's picking it up. When I take my guitar in, are there any specific instructions I should give the tech, or are guitars and setups pretty universal? And he will know what adjustments need to be made. I have two Les Pauls and a Tele, and I play mostly rock and some jazz. Thanks, Lee. Good question, Lee. Um... You know, a lot of it depends on your playing style, on the string gauge you use, on the tuning you use. And a good tech is going to ask you these questions, like, <clears throat> what what kind of strings do you prefer? And if you don't know, then he can make a recommendation. Um, there are players who prefer a very high action, players who prefer a, a very low action, Um most players prefer a middle-of-the-road action. That's why it's middle-of-the-road. So mm-hmm. it depends on your playing style. Do you have a really heavy touch or do you have a very light touch? So if you have a super light touch, you can get away with lower action. If you use alternate tunings, that's a consideration. If you tune flat all the time, that's a consideration. I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of variables that a good tech will ask you if a few questions when you drop the guitar off to to suss out you know what he's what he's going to do with the guitar and if you don't know or if you're a beginner or whatever then he's going to default to a very standard kind of uh you know factory uh guitar setup 
Yeah. yeah. Probably specific to the guitar, the Les Paul, yep. or the telly, that kind of thing, and rock. So, yeah, they yep. the setup is pretty universal unless you have specific needs or instructions. That's good. Yeah. Good little bit of knowledge to get out there. Well, try this one. Okay. Hello, Fret Files Podcast. I was watching the new Beatles Get Back documentary. Hey, how about that? Oh, I wasn't done. Documentary about a documentary on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It is. Is that? It is. kind of is. Yeah, because it, the, they, yeah. they were trying to film a documentary at the time, but it never got made. Oh, man. So now this is a documentary about them making that documentary. It's a meta documentary. Oh, my God. And we it's could like, have yet another. God, it's like a Christopher Guest movie. It is. <clears throat> Good observation there, buddy. Uh, on Disney+, Plus, and there was a part where the recording engineer asked Paul to turn down, to turn the bassiness down on his bass. He fiddled with some knobs, but seemed to not know what the knobs on his bass really even did. Is this just me being a know-it-all, or is it possible for a musician of that caliber to not know what the knobs on his bass are for? <laughs> Thanks, and happy Christmas. Rich in Wisconsin. Man, I bet they have beautiful idyllic Christmases over there in Wisconsin, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, rolling hills and snow and cheese and stuff. Certainly. I bet it's great. Santa. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember this part too. That it was by the time, the, so they they were in this Twickenham giant place and then they got kicked out of there and went over to their Apple studio, which was new. And anyway, long story short, they end up in at this Apple, Apple studio. And yeah, Paul's playing his Hoffner bass. Wasn't the Rickenbacker? It was the, his <clears throat> no, old bass. No, it was his. He played almost exclusively the Hofner the whole time. Huh. Yeah, and like somebody said, Paul, you know, did you? Had, something's changed. You know, can you turn the bassiness down, or the can you turn the bass down on the <laughs> on your on your bass? Bro. And he was, <laughs> and he like he kind of fiddled with things and said, "Well, what is you know like what? Yeah, it it did seem like he didn't quite know what the knobs did, which well." Think what that means, though. You really can't turn down the bassiness. That's true. On a bass. And so he's probably like, well, sure, right away. I'd, I'd like to be accommodating, and I'm a team player, and I'm a genius. I'll just do that right away. And then he's like, oh, man. I have to look this up. I can't accomplish this. Uh, the Hofner bass controls. You want to know what controls are on there? Are, I, th I think there actually might be a treble and a bass. I'm surprised you wouldn't just ask me. Um, there's three... There's three little knobs. Oh, okay. There's like tone switches where it says bass on and treble on. Those are the pickups. Is that real? On and off, and you can have them both on. Is that real? Mm hmm So anyway, uh, is it possible? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, look, I've I've spoken to enough professional musicians to know that just because they can just because they can write incredible music and play guitar or bass like nobody's business, they, it doesn't necessarily mean that they know what the knobs do. Yeah. Because I've had plenty of pro musicians come to me with like say a jazz master and while it's on the bench yeah. they say by the way, what does this switch do? Yeah. Because and and that's a good example that guitar because you you pointed a jazz master and tell me what all those yeah, switches and knobs do, or the extra and it's not intuitive or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's not intuitive at all. And with the Hofner, yeah, there's two knobs and three switches, and they're labeled. And I don't know. I, plus, here's the other thing: he was probably high as a kite. Paul McCartney, how about that going? Imagine that. So, yeah, I've I've seen that, and I don't want to name names, but I've yeah. definitely talked to professional musicians who had no idea what the switches on their guitars did. It's, I think it it's just a thing. turned his brain inside out because he's like, you want it less bassy, you want a bass less bassy, and then, you know, if you turn down a tone control. All you're doing is bleeding away highs. Treble, yeah. yeah. And he's like, well, let's see if one of these knobs did. And then you flip those switches. You can't see them. Maybe you can't hear exactly what's going on, and yeah, 
I think he may have just been thrown for a loop. And it illustrates how difficult it is, that terrible scrutiny. They're trying to come up with some creativity with all these people looking, and, and he's a you know musician of caliber already. Oh, yeah. And they say, hey, do a trick. And he's like, well, I don't know how to make my bass bassier. Or Poor less bassy. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was a good question anyhow. That was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, well that, that does it yeah. for the show. I'm going to take the next episode off. So the next episode would be January 1st. I'd like to take it off, too, I'm, then, in I'm, that case. I'm giving you uh, <laughs> I, well, that's a That's a fine excuse for picking a man's pocket. <laughs> you, want, you want the holidays off, do you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I do want just a slightly bigger piece of coal. Oh, my God. I know. So we're, I'm gonna take the we're gonna take the uh, the next episode off, and we'll be back middle of January, New Year, new episodes, and uh, we wish everybody a happy Christmas and holiday season and happy New Year, and hope it's the best. If you want to participate in the show, and you really should, go to ericdaw.com, click the contact link, and submit your question or comment there. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Thank you and happy Christmas. Thanks.